We're going to be live in three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And tonight, folks, tonight we got a big show. I've known this guest for about 20 years. We worked together at PC Connection, played pickup basketball at 7 o'clock every Wednesday for, I don't know, two years or so. We've been in a fantasy football league together. I watched him uh, when the Red Sox of 2004 made their historic run. I watched it the, one of the games with him. Uh, and I can tell you that this guy is as genuine as they come. Uh, there's no put on with him, and he will share his opinion with you without making you feel like yours is invalid or that you uh, have a stupid opinion. He's funny in an understated way. He's a sports fan, loves to have fun, all-around good guy. Please help me welcome to the No Outlet Podcast, Josh Coringham. Welcome, Josh. Hey, now. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what I just did there? I pressed the wrong button. I meant to press that button because people aren't <laughs> laughing at you. They're cheering for you. The whole crowd, you should see him here. Uh, Sorry, here, Yeah, here we go. Um, we are going to play a game. And the game is called 20 Questions, and it always starts in the exact same place, and that's with question number one. Do you believe in the premise that aliens are currently among and observing us? Does that mean here on Earth or observing us from afar? Great qualifying question. It could be observing from anywhere. Let's go with yeah. I think so. I mean... um... I think that it's definitely too hard to fathom that we'd be the only life form anywhere. Uh Um, And, you know, whether there's contact, I, I, that one's trickier because, you know, who knows? Um, I'm not a big conspiracy theory guy. Um, But one, I guess for sure, I believe in, in aliens, whether they're, we've, they've made contact with us or whatnot. Um, you know, I'd like to think so. Um, you know, they're probably biding their time and, and just waiting to, you know, take over, harvest our organs or something. But um, I did have a cool, like, UFO spotting in, in uh, like, I don't know, I was probably like 19 years old. Perfect. And I, it didn't it didn't convince me of anything for, you know, for sure. But it was certainly an unidentified flying object. Um, a bunch of us saw, we were up at my dad's house in Guilford, which kind of, in Gunstock Acres where you can, you can see Gunstock from his house. And uh-huh. so it's kind of a dark, like clear night and you could see really far off the deck. And uh, somebody noticed this thing in the sky and it was kind of like, um, like C shaped, like a backward C um, light. That, that's what I remember from, I don't know, 25 years ago, but um, definitely everybody saw it. And we sat there and it was kind of hovering for a bit and people were all pointing it out and, you know, increasingly overreacting to it and wondering what that was going on. Um, I think I was hosting a party at my dad's house uh, and I had to go take care of something. And by the time I came back, it had, it had gone. Everybody said it just kind of like took off in the distance and that was it. And I don't know if my friends would still, I'm sure that some of the guys would still remember that, but um, it was pretty cool. And, you know, I, I like I said, it could have been any kind of like, whatever insert excuse here weather balloon or um <laughs> you know they didn't have drones back then that we know of, but yeah um yeah it was kind of cool got my got my attention anyway and um so yeah i would say i would say for sure yeah i'm with you first of all by the way i love the term increasingly overreacting to it that was <laughs> <laughs> i like that um so well for, you know, so first Natty of all Lightful. i think that was it had to have been a ufo because what else is just going to hover there and then like take off Number one. Number two, I think your premise of the question is spot on. I mean, A, you got to believe that there's something else out there somewhere. If now, and I, I could be, you know, barking up the wrong tree because maybe something else out there is another planet just like ours, you know, some other sector of a, of a dimension that would never even know we're here. But if there's higher life form out there, then you got to know that there's a, they want to know what's happening. And so, they're probably observing us. And then you talk, you start taking, talking about like them taking us over and harvesting our organs. And if you think about it, what the best way to take over a planet like ours wouldn't be with 
huge ships and laser beams and, you know, all that bullshit. The best way to do it would be to figure out a way to make it seem as though you are one of them. And then over time, just slowly take over the gene pool until uh, you're the, you are the planet. That might take a long time, but for all we know, we're in the middle of uh, being uh, augmented. <laughs> that is, yeah, I think there's a good chance of that. Um, and I do hope that we're not the most intelligent, you know, because that's just fucking pressing if so. Oh, that's, that's an excellent point. I mean, start, talk about setting the bar low. All right, so mm-hmm. let's talk about fantasy football. i got a couple of fantasy football-related questions, okay? Um, so in a snake-style fantasy football draft, in your opinion, is it better to have the first pick, pick number one, and then you don't pick again for 23 picks or whatever it is, or is it better to have like 9, 10, 11 late pick, but then you've got two picks in the first, like, 14 or 15 picks. What's a better place to be to start off a draft? I mean, I always, I would prefer to have the first pick, um, but I've definitely blown that first pick plenty of times. And yeah, it's a long way to number 24 after that. Um, So yeah, I feel like my best teams have been um, balanced with no, you know, overspending on any one player. I'd say Mm -hmm. spending because I do so or like auction drafts, which I, I kind of like more. And um, uh, I've been shot down trying to convert other leagues to auction. But um, yeah, I, I think it, I think I'd go for the superstar because you know I guess it also depends on keeper league considerations. But um, mm-hmm. you know, there's just those years where there's that one guy that it, you just gotta have that top you know top two three guy. And so you know even like a two or three where you're at least coming back a little sooner is good in those snake drafts. But I don't think I've ever not done a snake, a snake draft. Uh, yeah. Have you? Have you ever done one that isn't nah. a snake draft? That's, I think yeah. that's the only way to do it that makes any sense, right. you know? I mean, yeah, we always talk about it like it's unique somehow, um, you know, like as if there's an alternative. But, um, yeah, and I'd, I'd go with the big one and hope you just, you know, hit hard with, uh, you know, well, you've had like these stud combos of Le'Veon, Bell, and, and you know, insert other, you know, stud running back, and then you're set. You'd think so. Um, you'd think so. You'd so think I, so. <laughs> so I, I had I drafted Levy and Bell uh, the year before or the year he took off, and he wasn't. He didn't. <laughs> he didn't. He went later, and then yep. the year after that, I ended up getting the year after that or two years after that. If I got, I got Zeke with the number one pick. Yeah. and he's right. a, he's exactly. the kind of generational talent that you can't pass up if he's there. So I've, I right. figured, okay, I got Bell and I got Zeke. I'm I'm going to at least win one championship over the next three years. It's definitely going to happen. And I think in the next four years, four or five years since I've had Zeke, um, I think total number of games that I was able to start both of them, <laughs> I like a total of maybe five between, you know, injuries, Le'Veon holding out, Zeke getting suspended. Like they just always worked out so that one of the two – was not available, and it never ended up being the the dream that I thought. And now Levy and Bell's toast, and who knows what's up with Zeke. I mean, they're both kind of towards the end. I was terrified to play you in those those years, and I do think it hardly worked out that you had both going, which was to my advantage. Um, I'm sure you probably still beat me, but, um, yeah. I mean, you know, I wonder what younger or newer players think about, because, you know, I've I got into one of my leagues, is I don't know we're in like year year twenty two or something yeah um you know and and which sounds ridiculous but um now there's so many committees that it's harder to like have that bell cow like super stud running back that really carries you because inevitably you know a lot of people are trying to mix it up especially with like third down kind of uh, Kevin Falk type of guys that yeah. uh, also dating myself um to you know, to, to catch balls and eat into each other's minutes. Um, I think it's better for real football to do it that way and not wear these guys out. But, uh, you know, I just remember this one keeper league where it was like somebody had Le- uh, Ladanian Tomlinson in mm-hmm. perpetuity throughout his whole run. And everybody fucking hated that guy. And I think I still don't like that guy just because <laughs> he had him all the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I, I, I can understand that. All right. Here's another it question. It was like, come on. 
yeah. why did you continually refuse to trade me David and Joku? <laughs> I need to know. Uh, I, you know, I wanted that was, fucker so bad for two years in a row, and yeah. I tried every. I over. I, in my head, he was better than he ever was in a game, and I offered Correct. way more than I should have. And you just were like, "Nah, I'm gonna hang on to him. Now nah, I'm gonna hang on to him." I, I want to know why. No, I, as I knew because you wanted him so bad. I'm like, Ethan knows something. This guy is <laughs> the next Gonzalez, and I won't be suckered. I was, I was always a, a wuss about trades because I never wanted to be on the bad end of a trade. I so know. I've kind of been horrible about uh, refusing trades all along. Like I'd rather, um, you know not of course you're going to win some lose some right but um i was always afraid of not just losing out on the trade but like living with it and for the you know um especially in the keeper league aha you never should have done that jerk and like you know so i i you're not alone i snubbed many a trade uh offer but that one was funny because he was kind of a piece of shit he really never did anything no, he 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 still has the promise. He still has the promise, but he just hasn't he hasn't shown he can put it together. You know, and my only trade rule, I've got one rule and that's never make a trade with Jay Neto. That's it. <laughs> Cuz no matter what, he's going to get the better end and he's going to make you feel like it's an even fair trade when it it won't, it won't be. He's going to take advantage. Yeah. Yeah, he would he he definitely probably thinks I'm a jerk for not responding to a majority of his offers. Like not even responding cuz you know sometimes they're kind of ridiculous. Um <laughs> Well, he wants but to see. Similarly. He wants to see how stupid you know it, it, these people are. He's like, "How much does this guy right. who's forty something really care about this anymore?" If I just offer this up, he might just say, "Fuck it, sure, take it." But there's nobody was, in our league like that, really. Right, right. I was the new guy, so I feel like, oh, he's, here we go. He's he's trying to be, uh, you know, he's trying to uh, gang up on the new guy and, and take advantage. Well, I'm a veteran, sir. Might be new to this league, but I have an embarrassing number of uh, <laughs> wins and losses in the Yahoo archives somewhere. Right. Um, which, I, yeah, so waste of get uh, your junk uh, out of here, Neto. <laughs> exactly. So, speaking of Neto, this is not exactly a fantasy football question, but since we're talking about him now, it makes uh, the timing appropriate. Um, have you ever wondered why, or, or have you ever asked him why he continues to call you Jason Bateman? <laughs> because when I look um, at because and, and let me clarify why I'm asking the question. I don't think you look like him. I don't think you act like him. I don't think that there's anything that I could point to that says, "Oh, okay." And it's just like such a non sequitur reference to another person. It's almost like he's got a thing for Jason Bateman and wants to just keep talking about him and you're the closest archetype. Well, yeah, no, he's got so many funny associations with everybody. And like, God damn, he would write these word docs of, you know, how many oh my billable hours are we talking about um, <laughs> are, are going into these diatribes and, and hilarious like stories and songs and skits. And, oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, Got to give it up for all his dedication to entertaining the league. But um, no, I don't I don't really know. I think he said it was, you know, dry sarcasm or something. Um you know, fair enough. I'm a short, kind of pale white guy uh, with, you know, a basic brown haircut, I guess. So there's that. You're, but no, and, there, and there's so few of you out there. I mean, you know, <laughs> it seems like, like a unique description of a person. <clears throat> well, maybe we'll have to ask him and get a, get the answer to that. So, uh, final fantasy football question for now is: Will and this is a simple yes or no, but you can expound and you can give color commentary if you'd like. Will the JNFL reemerge this year? I, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I, under, I understood why uh, Commissioner Powley didn't want to deal with all the, um, you know, ins and outs of what might happen with the COVID year, and it mm-hmm. did. It did get a little wacky. Um, so I get why he didn't want to do it, and I at the time was like, yeah, whatever. You know, who knows? Um, it was such a weird year, but. Right. Um, I hope so. Yeah. I mean, it's a good group of guys and it's how I stay in touch, you know, with uh, it's a good way I stay in touch with you. And um, obviously I'm in up to four leagues at any given time. And uh, I know I'm new to this league, but I will agree with what everyone says, which is draft day is the best day of the year. Yeah. No, it's so much Um, with with the way you guys do it. So that for that reason alone, I hope so. 
Me too. And I, and I think I think Will did when 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 he first made that decision. I was like, kind of a you know, kind of not. not I wasn't pissed, but I was kind of bummed out that we weren't going to give it a try. But I've been mm-hmm. playing since I think the first time I played fantasy football was ninety eight or ninety nine, and this was last year was the first. No, no, it had to been before that. Well, whenever it was in the nineties. But that last year was the first year where I didn't enjoy it. And I think the reason why I didn't enjoy it was, A, it wasn't with, I was on a different league. People I knew, and they were fun guys, everything was fine. But the football wasn't as fun. It's different watching um, a football game on TV when nobody's in the stands. It just doesn't have the same energy. Yep. It just didn't feel like the same sport. It just didn't. It didn't feel like as much fun. And I never got into it the same way. And uh, so... I, don't get me wrong. It's like I'm probably going to be in that same league again this year if the JF, you know, JNFL doesn't come back. But it just it didn't quite. I think in the rankings of the funnest years to least fun years, it was definitely at the bottom of the list for sure. Yeah, I would agree. And you know, in, in the year of like needing something to do, and you, you know what I mean, like needing something to be psyched about, um, I wanted to look forward to it, but I didn't. You know, and it also didn't help that. Uh, the post Brady Patriots era wasn't uh, making <clears throat> watching football, real football, uh, as fun for me. But um, I also really can't stand other Boston sports fans who piss and moan at all. As far as I'm concerned, for the rest of our lives, there can be no complaining about a bad year. Um, but you know that that made it less interesting. That's for sure. So yeah, I mean, there were games I didn't even watch. I mean, that that's never happened in my life since uh, fourth grade, probably. I would watch, you know, majority of Patriots games. And there was t- times this year I didn't watch a minute, of, which is strange. Yeah, um, no, I'm with you. I mean, And what the hell was I doing? Like, it wasn't like I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go down to the market, you know, and, or something. I'm going <laughs> to build a shed. Right. Yeah. I'm making sourdough, learning a new go language. To, go to the market. I just had a picture of you in, like, a horse-drawn carriage, like, going to the market. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you're a parent. I know parent parenting is a tough job. I'm a parent. My kids are 23, 26, so I'm kind of past the parenting, the active parenting uh, part of the program. Um, but do you think that being and, – and you're – so my kid, I was lucky. My kids were of an age where social media and phones weren't as much of a factor uh, as early as they are today. Um, and and you, you're raising kids in a totally different time period do you think that it's harder to be a parent now or when you were growing up? I think it seems like definitely now um, from the standpoint of, yeah, trying to, trying to control screen time and especially this year, um, trying to control screen time um, and limit it and what have you is, is really tough. Trying to police social media. My, my kids are 10 and 13 and, uh, the younger one isn't on any social media, but she has a like an iPod sure. touch, so it's you know Wi-Fi uh, away from being like a phone. Yeah. Um, and my son, you know, we got him, we broke down and got him a, a phone. Um, I think we were trying to wait till twelve, but I think we caved. He's about eleven and a half. Mm-hmm. He was the only kid in his baseball team without one. Yada yada. Yep. And you know he is um, he's into it for a good reason in a way. Um, but it's, it's obsessive. Uh, he's, he's, uh, got a regular Instagram account and, you know, Snapchat and other things that I don't understand, um, to communicate with his friends and normal teen stuff. But, um, he's got a sneaker reselling business. Does he really? Yeah. I'm really impressed by, except it's like, it's very consuming, you know, it's very, um, his notifications are going off constantly. And, I mean, even he has like 2,200 followers and he's making money. He's selling and buying and selling shoes constantly. And the house looks like FedEx. Uh, Wait a second. Hold on. You got to slow down. We're talking about a 13-year-old boy. Yes. I, so, yeah. so first of all, hats off to him. I'm impressed. When I was right. 13, I, that wasn't even close to being anything that I would ever have. I mean, the technology wasn't there, but like. I guess that's a, that the positive side of it is think about how advanced his brain is compared to ours when we were 13. Like he's already thinking like 
monetizing face, you know, Instagram followers, yeah. flipping stuff like that's actually pretty cool. It is. And it, you know, there's, there's all kinds of, you know, and you know, pros and cons about it. I mean, it puts them in kind of precarious, like initially it was like, Holy crap. I don't know. Dealing with strangers. And I wanted to know everybody's true, last true. name. Yep. And, and then next thing, you know, I just, the, you know, toothpaste was out of the tube or whatever. And it was like, all right, you know, if you're going to get burned and some of these scams you, that happened once or twice. But he learned his lesson. He just talked about it the other day. He's like, yeah, I'm glad that happened early. And he, in some ways, he's so mature from all that um, that I am impressed. Uh, but it's, it's, it's definitely consuming, you know. And, and so there's like, um, I can see the drive in him will we'll serve him well in life. And, and what's been really cool about it, actually, I'm really proud of he doesn't, there's part of me, I'm a business development guy, like, you know, making, you know, maximizing margins and this and that. He, he's, whether he's got this from other people who are trying to scam him uh, or he's, but and he's genuinely not in it entirely for making the most money on every transaction. There's certain, this is a certain like mm-hmm. um, community element of, of the other sneaker head reseller kids yeah. and, and, and by the way, plenty of adults. Um, that like there's a certain community about like not being a, a jerk, and then they talk about throwing each other steals. I still think that's kind of code word for hey kid, give me a deal because it's cool, ha ha ha. And you know, but I see him receiving that and doing it for other people. And there's this it's an, it's a surprising part to me that it's not just pure make as much money as you can, right? Um, because there is I haven't talked to him about this part, but there's this I've I've read a little bit. There's some animosity towards resellers like you and I would have had with like say ticket scalpers, mm-hmm. um, you know, back in the day before that was legal. Um, or even when it became legal, it was so bullshit to like, Oh, somebody got, you know, tickets to that show. And now they're five times as much money. Cause a bunch of, you know, people bought all the tickets out yeah. um, from or whatever. So I, I see there's animosity towards resellers and, uh, yet, but he isn't completely being a jerk about it either. Um, but I am proud of him, and so that's a long answer about that one aspect. No, of no, it, I like that. Did you hear yeah, about really, that? Uh, really. The the Nike vice president whose kid had a <laughs> had had a, some kind of, I think he had the same kind of deal. Like he was selling Nikes online, and somehow he used her. I forget what happened, but she got he got busted, and she got busted because she knew about it and lost her job. Did you hear about that? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I want to say he racked up about. 130 grand on her Amex card. <laughs> oh, is that what it was? <laughs> Swear to God. Yeah, and I was talking about get you in like, Well, it wasn't even that. She, apparently, I mean, I don't think she didn't. It's not like she didn't know about it. That's where she had to step down because that's bullshit. That to me, that's just like, you know, Ticketmaster working with StubHub is like, aha, we're all in this to screw you. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Nike is, I think, very. If people talk about the resellers being the problem. Nike is thriving i think through this phenomenon i think i think sneakerheads have been out for a long time but this online reselling boom is is big and yeah that story um made me laugh and made me tell him you you absolutely can't have my mx card at all (laughs) Um, (laughs) well good for him uh that that, i love doing stuff like that that's awesome all right that's a good part about it all but yeah there's definitely other negative parts that i'm terrified about sure you know years ago 2013 my daughter's not into it yet thankfully and but it's coming you know and of course, uh, of course. yeah <laughs> yeah well um you know you're you're i'm sure you're a great dad and, and continued success because you got a kid that's selling sneakers and making money at 13 that's a that's a good place to be um all right so this is a question and we're going to come back and we're going to check your answer later how many push-ups can you do without stopping <laughs> oh shit i heard this one on, on another episode or two and uh i thought i should figure it out before but i didn't okay um you know, man, uh, I would, I would, I would assume maybe I could do like twenty-five or thirty or something, um, but then I watch I'll, I'll collapse and you know have a small heart attack at no, like just, number eight. So. Just don't, don't hurt yourself. That's all right. If you get to, if you get to like fifteen <laughs> or sixteen and you want to call it quits, that's fine. My my son I, to this day, I still think he's he cheated. Like he he was like one two three it's like no no yeah. hesitation in the breathing right there like that. uh i'm not sure about i heard that, that and laughed at your at your assessment yeah, um you no, were not buying it i did like, not buy it hey what's your favorite mountain to ski 
Uh, Jay Peak out here in the east, um, hands down. Yep. And the best mountain I've been to ever, though, is Jackson Hole. Um, oh, cool. Yep. And I would I would kill to go back there, but there are so many on my list of places I haven't been yet. But those are my two favorites for sure. Jay Peak is that the place that I saw a video? Either Steve or Will took <laughs> it, and I forget which one. But you guys were going through some. I'm not a skier, but I think they call it going through like some place. It's not a trail. Like you were off, off trail. And there was one jump that you took and you came close to hitting a tree. Do you know what I'm talking about? Did I do a complete flip and like tumble like a rag doll for um, a tree? No, you actually stuck the landing. Um, but oh, it was, no. but it was, it, it was like you were jumping and you were, and the trees were close together. And you like just barely, I don't know if you fell down or not. I don't think you fell down. I think it was just like, even the person that was swimming was like, holy shit. Like after you did it. And I'm like, <laughs> wow, is, is Josh 19 or is he 39? Because that is, uh, that's impressive to put your body out there like that. Was that J peak, that video? It had to have been. Yeah, most likely. Yeah. And you know, we, we speed up all our footage to make it look better. First of all. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, you got to do something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, Steve has a good one where I was going over, yeah, at Jay Peak, and there's a lot of there's a lot of what you call you call side country. Like it's not back country really because you can get at it from a lift. You don't have to hike and be that hardcore about it. But there's plenty of glades, you know, just wooded areas. And and Jay was one of the first ones in the East Coast that let you do that. Back in the day, you weren't allowed to go. When I was a kid growing up at Dunstock. Uh, and Guilford, like you, if they if the littlest jump formed mm-hmm. on the side of the trail, they'd block it off, and you know you'd get your pass pulled or whatever. Yeah. Now they just let you absolutely kill yourself. Right. Um, throw a few waivers up here and there, but Jay is great like that, and they get so much snow, and that's where the snow gets preserved. It doesn't get all get speed off. But there's one of Steve uh, that Steve has of me where I tried to jump over something, and the snow was pretty deep. I didn't go fast enough, so I hit this kind of bump. Instead of looking cool and jumping off a cliff, my skis stuck on the top of this lift. I should have missed altogether. My skis stayed in that snow, and oh, my man. heavy, out-of-shape body went tumbling pretty close to a tree. And lots of um, – there were some French Canadians laughing at me uh, on – they were audibly, you know, laughing at me. Gotcha. But um, that, was a, that was a pretty – one and also close to a tree but yeah a lot of times in the woods with steve and will um that's like the happiest i could be is in there with with those guys um slowly inching my kids towards that but um try not to get them killed well that's a good plan glades that was the word i was looking for the glades i've heard that before Mm -hmm. but i've never been in there um okay have you ever seen somebody hit a 90 yard ship shot for an eagle (laughs) on the 12th hole of breakfast hole country club Oof. Uh, I'm guessing by the setup that yes. Um, now think, I, now think shameless, shameless plug of who it might have been. Uh, you? That's it. Hey, that was sick, bro. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. Or don't you remember it at all? You don't. It's, to me, it's uh, like the highlight of my golf career. I'll never, ever hit another shot like that as long as I live. I think it was hole 12. It's the one where you've got the water on the left. Um, and it was, uh, it was a draft day and we were out there playing. Yeah. It was like 90 out and it was yeah. just like, you know, normal shitty swing. Like I always do, you know, and somehow it just, the physics mm-hmm. of the universe just all aligned. And I hit that ball and, and God did the rest. And it went right, it went right in. The pin was in and it hit the pin and popped right in. And the one thing I remember was you, turning around and going, holy shit, dude, it went in. <laughs> uh, yes. Oh. Um, yeah. Now I, now I remember um, the celebration about it all, but um, yeah, no, I, I thought I figured that was just standard for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred golf guy. And uh, literally that's the, that's the best and only great shot that I've ever made, but I always have fun. That's my measure of success with golf is did you have fun? Yes or no? If yes, then you're a winner. Um, and that's one of those shots that keeps coming back. Uh, no, no, please. More than, no, no, I'm just saying that that's one of those shots that keeps coming back. Like I'll have like any mediocre shot 
you know, keep me coming back the next time. Like uh, I could shoot 120. Right. And uh, as long as there's one of those, you know, you can remember that one. Yeah. You've got to, you've got to try to re- replicate that and keep going out. Well, it does. It gives you a little taste. It's like a long putt, you know, a long putt, you know, you make one of those long putts and it's like, all right, you have, you have hope that it can happen again at some point. Um, okay. Now uh, at some point, you know, you're way past this point now, but at some point in your career, uh, you were just as I was, you know, responsible for, you know, uh, making cold calls, um, driving business through the time tested and and uh, and honed skill of calling people that don't know who you are, don't want to talk to you, no interest at all. So, in your estimate, I, I think I think you did that at PC Connection. I think you started doing it a little bit at the next place you worked. But if you had oh, to yeah. take a guess in your career. How many cold calls have you made total? Holy moly. Tens of thousands. Wow. Isn't that crazy to think about? I mean, that's, you know, a lot of hangups or a lot of voicemails and uh, a lot of um, faking numbers to, you know, make sure I don't get on your radar (laughs) at PC Connection. Just calling like a fax line. Yeah. I got my 50 dollars. Ethan. Dude, so um. <laughs> quick story on, on the fake fake calls. So two things. One is there was a guy who worked at Connection in the Dover office. I'm going to leave his name out of it. But he would – I'd walk up and down just, you know, checking out what's going on. He would have full fake conversations. He would call a movie line, <laughs> and then he'd be pretending to talk. So what kind of servers do you have? And, and there'd be nothing on the other end. And so finally one day I'm like, man, he's talking to all these people having really good conversations, but he's not selling anything. So I listened to one of his calls and he was talking to a recording and I'm like, oh, that is so, I feel so bad for me. I almost don't want to say anything to him. And then the second funny phone story is, I don't know if you were there when this happened or if this was before your time, but there was a contest. Um, It was like a $10,000. The team who won get the split $10,000. And part of the metrics to score points was if you got to four hours average phone time on the team, you oh, got like gosh. a thousand points, which by the way, was not easy to do. No, And no. there was this one team in Merrimack, which was the corporate office at the time and still is, I guess. And this one team kept averaging like five, six hours of phone time. And, and I was just like, what the fuck? Like, how does this, what are they, who are they calling? How can they possibly do that? And turns out the fucking manager of that team was calling fake lines herself from all of her rep's phones after hours. And she fell asleep. She fell asleep at the desk making a fake phone call. When she woke up, she forgot to disconnect. And the phone stayed on that fake line. And the next day they found out and they fucking canned her. Oh my gosh! I know all that for a, a phone a phone contest. Well, yeah, like you know, give me a free Lenovo koozie contest is one thing, but that's uh, ten, that's real money, man. Ten Jeez. grand is real money. That's true. Yeah. So tens of Not thousands. Sure. I like that answer, and I think you're probably right. Probably lie. I'm just trying to still impress you as my former boss's <laughs> boss. No, I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. All right, now, um, what is the best concert uh, that you've ever been to? I don't mean like the best, you know, musically perfect, but like the most fun, festive, overall best experience you've ever had at a musical concert live, which is, by the way, one of the things I missed. I don't like to complain about COVID because it's such a waste of time. Like complaining about it does nothing. It's still the, the situation is the situation. There's nothing we can do about it. But I have to say. I fucking miss concerts, man. They, they, I think one of the last ones I went to, um, I went and saw Steel Pulse the end of 19 at the music hall. I think you might have been there. Um, yes, that was a great show. I had no idea how good they were, and that was super fun. Yeah, yeah that was a great show. But, anyways, your question what's the best concert you've ever been to? You know, the, there's so many. Um, one that was a one that was really, I guess the one I'll, I'll give you one because I'll, that's what you asked. When I was like in high school, you remember the Offspring? Of course. Um, not the answer. You gotta keep them separated. That right. that group. Yeah, ninety 
two, three, four, whatever it was. Yeah. That that song blew up, and they were they were pretty big. Um, and they but they were playing at the um the Axis right behind Fenway. Okay, sure. And seven dollars or something. Um, and you know I thought they were cool. We were going down. It was you know I was probably sixteen, and it was just exciting just to go. You know to actually go to like a club show. Um. Yeah. like that and i had never really been to a small venue that was like so you're so close to the act and everything so it was all really cool but what what blew them away um was a band called Guttermouth, um kind of a huntington beach punk band um much lesser known um but they absolutely tore the roof off the place and i had never seen anybody perform like that like this guy was you know first of all like if you've been to the axis you know, it's a real small, dingy place with low ceilings. And I'd never seen it. You know, I'd seen, I'd seen some mosh pits at some like Metallica shows when I was younger and stuff. But yeah. like, this was like, I mean, such a small place and there's crowd surfing. People are landing and there's no divider between us and the stage. You're just smashed up against the stage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember that the, the singer just wrapping the microphone around his own neck and hucking himself into the crowd and catching him. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's insane. And uh, that was the most fun I ever had. And I was so hooked on going to club shows after that. So I would say Mark Adkins um, and Guttermouth, who capped off uh, the last time I saw them was at uh, Wally's uh, in Hampton a few years ago. No um, and it sucked for two reasons. One, my good friend from high school not who was not at the same show but was a good friend of mine at that same time and we listened to Guttermouth for years after that stood me up and didn't show up so i went to wally's by myself bastard. with two tickets yeah yeah it was a bastard move um but i was like ah, right, whatever i'll go see these guys and it's local right hampton and they were terrible like <laughs> there was like no original members uh except singer and he's like 50 you know at this point like, he's old like us and you know yeah he still you know half into it but um he let some friend of his sing half the songs and, and blew it. And yeah. the Wally's crowd was like, I don't know. I figured like there's a little surf town like this, you know, in Hampton, maybe there'd be some surf punk kids with like, with like, uh, I think it was Agent Orange and the Queers. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Guys. It was a good show overall, but um, the people were not into it. They're talking, you know, like lights are on. <laughs> it was a fucking disaster. And you could tell the band hated it. They were like, this whole place sucks. Yeah. So they, they 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 were like the best show and then almost one of the worst shows. Well, you know, it's funny that that's kind of the magic of live music is that, you know, there's a lot of elements that go into it. It's like, you know, is the crowd into it? Is the sound good? Is the lighting good? Is, you know, are the people too drunk? You know, it, like all those things can either right. catch like an amazing time in a vacuum and just the people that were there can really know what that felt like or it can be lights on in Hampton beach and everything sucks, you know, <laughs> and everything in between. Yeah. So it's like 22 year old, like who are these old scumbags? Like, what are you guys doing here? Right. Yeah. I felt very old and lame. I think but, the queers you know. were actually a band that was based in Portsmouth. I think that's where. I right. Think, yeah. So there was, sure. there was like, I think that's almost why I got her mouth even worse because I think they were after queers and um, nobody really knew who got her mouth was um, apparently. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, yeah. So years ago, many, many moons ago, uh, you had longer hair or long hair, <laughs> longer hair. You know, yeah. It depends on, you know, what your perspective is. And that well, that went away um, quite a while ago. But I still remember what it looked like when you had it. Um, kind of like <laughs> an Eddie Vedder, Eddie Vedder link. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, yeah. And that's the coolest comparison that could be made. Okay, um, perfect. Because it was. A lot of uh, getting to that point that was not not good. The in, in between stages are rough. <laughs> yeah. So my hair. That's actually a perfect way to frame this question. So my question is that you know during COVID, you know I, I've had friends that have grown beards and they've you know they've shaved their head into a mohawk and they've you know not cut their hair and on and on. So my question is during COVID, did you let your freak flag fly a little bit and get the Jesus locks going again? Or did you stick with the business casual haircut? Um, uh, my hair is too long right now. Okay. So I'm constantly wearing a hat. Like I'm 19. Um, <laughs> and you know, still, but, um, I let it grow a bit, you know, but I got a few haircuts here and there. Uh, but I, you know, a few stretches and then I had like this really miserable, 
attempt at a beard, um, okay. but I, I can't grow a beard. Yeah. So I, it was it was like a lot of sparseness and you know, but out of that, um, the byproduct was um, somewhere around I don't know age forty one, forty two. I hit puberty, and my mustache can grow in to a I don't know a B minus mustache. So I've, I've got a mustache now. Yep. Um, it's just so scummy. Um, to me, like it's just, it's just so just, like just so like, scummy. What am oh. I trying to do? I don't know. You know, I'm not young and hip. Uh, I'm not a fireman. Um, but I don't know. I did, I cut it off once in this little experiment of like not seeing anybody, and then I was like, oh shit, I hate it. now. I now I have to, I felt so weird without it, so I grew it back. All I can picture is like last night was the Oscars, right? And they're always you know. Normally, in a normal year, they're walking on the red carpet and they're like, oh, this person's dress sucks or whatever. I can just picture right. one of the people saying, oh, my God, look at him. What happened? Look at his mustache. It's just so scummy. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Perfect description for a bad mustache. All right. What is worse <laughs> in your opinion? So you are a, and if I get this wrong, correct me, but I'm pretty sure you're a lifelong New England resident. Yeah. And correct. you've driven in Boston. You've driven in Maine. You've driven the highways, the byways. Ocean Boulevard everywhere. So you are a an experienced driver. What is worse, tailgating or going too slow in the passing lane and never yielding and going off so people can go around you? Ooh, going too slow. Um, I don't like tailgaters, but I'm a little more in control of that situation, you know? Okay. But, man, being on somebody going slow, maddening. Maddening. It's definitely more, it's definitely more annoying for sure. I mean, I, that, that feeling of being stuck behind somebody who either doesn't get it or some, you ever get that weird thought where it's like, that person knows they're, they're slowing me down here and they kind of like it. Like, yeah. I, like they can't, it can't be ignorance every single time. There can't be that many ignorant drivers out there, or maybe there can. I feel like that, you know, you, you, we test people at 16. We say, okay, you're good to drive at 16 years old and then never again. Do you ever have to prove yourself as a good driver? That's it. One time when you're when yeah. you're barely a person and your brain's not formed and you got hormones and everything else is all fucked up and you say, sure, now you can drive. And then that's all. So maybe there are that many bad drivers. I, I have to, I, I would just take the counterpoint and say that I think tailgating, if you're being tailgated and you can't go anywhere because you got somebody who's, you know, you're trying to not tailgate and you've got somebody right up your ass. And the weather yeah. and the weather's bad, like that freaks me yeah. out because the la- I, I just true. I don't want to have anybody run into my shit. But um, they're equally annoying. But uh, but that's true. You if, know. You have, if you have if you can't pass you're you're in traffic and somebody's tailgating you, yeah, and and you throw in the weather factor that that's awful. I do a lot of driving in horrible weather to ski, right? And uh, that is the worst. It's like this the faux or, or misguided confidence of anybody with an SUV or something, you oh. know. Jesus just Christ. barreling down the road uh, actually completely pisses me off too. So yeah. loud trucks. I've, I've seen a lot of loud trucks. I'm driving 101 to work now and all these trucks that are just so loud and they just yeah. want to make sure everyone knows how loud their engine is. It's just, I don't get it with, with um, flags. on. Yes. Too. Yes. They, there's a high, there's a high corresponding percentage of <laughs> flags attached to said vehicles for sure. Yeah. Nowadays. Flags. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, are you, and you made a comment earlier and I almost asked this question then, but I wanted to wait because I wanted there to be a little bit of breathing room because the comment wasn't a stoop one. And that was anybody who's a sports fan, a true sports fan in New England, that's around our age, give or take 15, 20 years can never, ever, ever again, like the Celtics aren't so great right now. Suck it up. Uh, the right. Sox did terrible last year. Suck it up. Like, the, the Pats didn't have one of their best years ever. Suck it up. But <clears throat> my question is this. Are you willing to admit that between the years of 2001 and 2019 that there was an alarming number of people calling themselves, in quotes, Pats fans, but in reality were nothing more than pure bandwagoners, also known as pink hats, who really were not fans at all? And now, unfortunately for all Pats fans, make up the majority of whatever's left of Pats Nation. 
Well, I, I sold myself earlier by admitting there were games I didn't even watch this year. Um, so that's pretty fair weather of me, but um, I feel like I'm But you know what, though, Josh, to- I would call you a I, – I, you're a true Pats fan because I, the measure of a Pats fan, in my mind, you got to be able to name a few players and you got to be able to have some <laughs> context of history. I think you could probably do both. But do you know what I mean? There are there seem to be an awful lot of Pats fans that, you know, that they're really Brady fans. They're not Pats. Oh fans. Yeah. yeah, right, right, right. And and you know, you know, I mean it. It's bound to happen. You you know, it, it's fun to, to win, right? Like uh, Super Bowl parties. We've had a lot of Super Bowl parties in our day, and then right. you get much enthusiasm from casual people who are like, ah, oh, you know, normally don't care, but isn't this fun? So I, I understand why it happens, but yeah, of course, there's there's huge number of Fairweather fans, and uh, you know, obviously, like you said, pink hat thing for for Red Sox um, was well documented on the airwaves of Boston Sports Radio. Um, it didn't really bother me as much as it bothers like uh, I don't know Kirk Minahan or somebody, but um, <laughs> it, it is a fun him. thing. Yeah. Um, it is a fun thing to get mad at if you're going to get mad at something, I guess. There you but, go. Um, there you go. So, I, so Kirk Menahan, no side note. Yeah, go. Just like Kirk Menahan, my son is, he plays competitive baseball. Um, and last year, um, like with the Pirates, Seacoast Pirates uh, Club, and sure. playing a Somerville team last year. And the little that I know, this coach was a complete jerk. Everybody's like, this guy's a real asshole. He's berating his own players at like, you know, nine in the morning. It's cold out. We're like, why are you, you know, <laughs> kid 12, like, take it down a notch there. Right. And uh, come to find out, he's the mayor of Somerville. No fucking way. Suing Kirk Menahan for prank calling him on air and pretending to be like from the Globe, but really from EEI or I don't know if he was bar school then. I've heard but, about yeah, that. He, <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Now, I don't know. It was like, I don't know who to hate more, like Kirk Minahan or this guy. And uh, in the end, it was kind of still Minahan. I was like, well, as much as this guy is a complete prick uh, on the field, um, he actually seems like he's done good things in Somerville. And I was like, well, ah, conflicting. But anyway, yeah. um, that guy's a hardo, though. Jeez. Oh, yeah. He, he's got a different level of uh, living there for sure. And um <laughs> Yeah, no, and and look, I, I I don't want to put the the wrong. I'm not a Pats fan. I'm a I'm I'm a cursed since I was five years old Raiders fan, right. and that's been yeah. a tough. That's been a tough one to be, but but it is what it is. I I just and most of the people that I know that are Pats fans are real Pats fans, like Collins, Pally, like those guys are really they're they're Pats fans. But it just there was a period of time, and I forget the years because you guys won in like '01. Uh, one of the, the, I think the first one was either 2000 or 2001. I forget which one. And then, yeah. And then there was a, then there was a stretch where, and it was around the time that Brady tore his ACL maybe before and after, but there was a stretch where, you know, you guys had a couple of lackluster years, but it was after winning, I think two or at least going to two Super Bowls. And I remember, I think I was still. I couldn't have been at Connection. I forget where I was working, but I remember hearing people like, oh, oh no, it was on Facebook. That's what it was. It was on Facebook. It was just like, oh, my God, I'm so sick of them. They suck. It's just, it's just like, what the <laughs> fuck are you guys talking about? Like 15 years ago, these clowns were playing at, you know, with fucking Steve Grogan, you know, as the quarterback. And then he just oh. smoked. And, like, you guys have, like, an actual Super Bowl team. And that just pissed me off more than it should have, probably because – the Raiders have sucked so bad for oh, so long. Absolutely. I mean, that, you know, as a kid, like they were horrible. Yeah. I remember my, like if I do my, you know, playing backyard football, it was like Steve Grogan to, you know, Stanley Morgan or Irving Fryer. Like, <laughs> you know, that, that was my, you know, whatever Brady, the Gronk, uh, as yeah. a kid. And it was terrible. <laughs> they didn't go to a Super Bowl, but they got, Smoked by a record-setting forty-six to ten. <laughs> Steve Grogan knew how to wear a neck brace, though. That motherfucker could yeah. wear a neck brace. So speaking, of, a, go ahead. Thank you. Exactly what you want in a, in a franchise quarterback. <laughs> Someone that just looks like they're on the verge of being a quadriplegic at any moment. Like, please wrap his neck up more. Um, okay. <laughs> speaking of Facebook, if Facebook mostly good or mostly bad. Mostly bad. Yeah. Um, 
I'm I haven't been on it for I don't know a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm on Instagram, so it's the same company now, and so I, I don't like uh, it's comical to act like ah I'm off the grid now. <laughs> like, right. like everybody knows everything about me as far as uh, big tech you know, uh, world, you know, um, knowing all my patterns and whatever, but. Facebook was come so on Instagram and you try to keep that more fun, you know, ski pictures and motorcycles and whatever, more mo- mostly fun stuff like this yeah. podcast. Like we're not talking about, you know, Marxism and getting all scared or something, right. but, um, uh, but on Facebook, not only do you have, you know, just complete ass clown opinions left and right, but they're in your town. So now if you get sucked into any commentary, Oh God. You're, you know, a dad on my kid's baseball team. And, you know, I was like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't bite my tongue. Yeah. And I also don't, why, why do I care uh, about arguing with these people? So um, it's probably my own, you know, throttle I had to, or governor, I had to put on like, all right, just don't yeah. engage. And unfortunately there are good things about it. And matter of fact, right now um I never canceled my account. You can disable it. Yep. Yep. So. And uh, so, and I never like went cause I still have this like hoarding, like I want to download all the pictures and you know, whatever from cause my kids grew up kind of with it. So it became absolutely when the kids were born, we had a blog for a brief time, but then Facebook came along and you didn't need to post pictures to like this blog for your, your moms and aunts. Facebook's kind of took that over, which that part's great, um, or, you know, can be, except for the fact that my kid's probably in some weird stock photos somewhere in Uzbekistan. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah. you know, and everybody knows everything about me, but um, there's definitely good things about it. And the one thing I miss right now is fundraising. I do a lot with um, CF Foundation, and that was a really easy way to fundraise and, you know, recruit people to go go to, like, the walks and, and just donate money and um, you know, that part I definitely missed. And I almost was like, gosh, somebody said, oh, I, I usually get on right in this time of year, post a few things about that and then get back off. And I'm like, I, that seems like, I, I don't know, like a heroin user just picking up a spoon, like, don't do it. Yeah. Yep. And yeah. I don't, I don't know. No, I think that's spot on. I mean, I, I haven't been on since 2016. There are things I miss about it, but I came to the same conclusion that you did, which is just like, this isn't going to work. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'll give you one funny story. I'm not going to say who it is, but I'm going to say that he's known as the dark Lord of fantasy football. He in 2000 <laughs> and it was early days of Facebook, 2007, 2008. It might've been right when it first, you know, started to become really popular. And, uh, he was on and he was like, you know, nobody knew what the fuck to do with Facebook when you first joined, because it was just like, what is this? Like this was designed right. for college kids trying to hook up. This was not designed for middle-aged men with kids. So he's on there <laughs> And instantly the first thing that happens when you first get on Facebook is everyone that you know sees you on. They're like, oh, I want to be your friend. I want to be your friend. So he starts, like, getting all these friend requests, and then he feels obligated to have all these conversations. Well, one of the people that friends him is one of his old longtime girlfriends. And she starts, she starts posting all these pictures from, like, the prom and from, like, all this other shit. And so he had his account for less than – it was less than a day. I think it lasted, like <laughs> – a total of 16 or 17 hours. And he's he like, I'm out. And I have, to, I have to hand it to him. He, he basically just, he, he saw the curve of what was going to happen. He was like, well, I know where this ends and I'm ending it right now. And I'm, and I'm out. That, that's good discipline. And, and maybe, maybe some compromise there as well. You know, I don't know, but, um, right. Right. Uh, there's a couple other unnamed folks from our league who, you know, weren't on, never got on. And I always thought that was, sort of strange and it was kind of like our generation you know we're just at the point of like creepiness yeah so i can see um the two guys i'm thinking of are um you know they held out and i respected the hell out of them for doing it i'm like man i i kind of wish i had but now it's over yeah Yeah. what do you want to know about me out there and are you i might get this wrong if i do uh correct me is the cf uh are you team trevor yes Team Trevor. Yep. So shout out yes, to Team sir. Trevor. You've been doing that since you were at Connection. You've been involved with raising money for oh, CF yeah? for a long time. Right. Hats off. 
Yeah, matter of fact, it's it's so funny you say that. I remember um, for years uh, we we did a walk, um, Great Strides Walk is like the biggest CF event, um, usually in May, and um, I did the first walk, and, and I actually rode my bike on the walk because I had a broken leg, which sounds like counterintuitive to even ride a bike, but I could I kind of pedal along on a on a bike and and uh, it was easier than crushing three miles or whatever. Damn. But it was snowing which just like last week, um, you know, getting a freak on New England storm. But it was like May 15th and it snowed. It was, it was wild in Portsmouth. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, when we when I left PC Connection, I I didn't love it there, you know. And, and I think it's yeah. it's a great place. Yeah. I, it's funny. I got one of my, my best friends growing up um, was working. He had gone to Syracuse to go to broadcast journalism school. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this guy was talking about Red Sox fans. He was uh, my buddy, Matt Gilman. He was so into the Red Sox in the dark days when we were kids at, I don't know, the eighties, like early nineties, they, they were terrible, but he would skip doing stuff with us. Cause he was going to watch a game on like a July Saturday and be wow. like, dude, are you serious? Like they're 40 games out. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And he, but he was so dedicated to it back then. Yeah. And he actually, as a kid, wrote to Sean McDonough, said, you're my hero. I want to be a broadcaster, da, da, da. McDonough had him and his dad come down, call a game in the booth. They didn't speak, but they got to sit in the booth while McDonough called the game. No way. You know, and took me to my first game, him and that and his dad. Um, and he was so into it. Followed his dream, Syracuse, broadcast journalism on McDonough's recommendation. Does that stuff for a couple of years and then just goes, this sucks. <laughs> he, he, he was never the broadcaster of the Red Sox. He was working in like night shifts in Colorado for like the equivalent of WMUR. And he did work for WMUR as well. Um, but like shit job for him. He was like producer was just, you know, entry level stuff that I'm sure could have gone somewhere. But anyway, he contacted me and said, I don't really like what I'm doing. How do you like PC connection? I'm like, I hate it. But I can get, I don't know, 250 bucks if you uh, get a job there. So, yeah, what do you need? And so I get him a job and I tell him, I really don't like it, man. I, you know, it's not for me. And I, quite honestly, didn't think it'd be for him. I just didn't think he'd like it at all. Dude, he took over. Like, he's still there. No um, way. I, he overlapped with me. Um, he went to Merrimack. Yep. Uh, he was on Surrett's team uh, okay. early. Sure. And I, now in hindsight, I'm like, how did I not know he would be so good at this? Um, just, you know, persistent and willing to like, I think PC Connection is He's not a certainly about how many, not a quitter, but you got to make the cold calls, but you also have to work the room. You know, you have to work the managers and the, and the rest oh, and this yeah. and that. And, right? Of course. And he, that's where he excelled, especially. Um, and, uh, you know, so hats off to him. He's, he's, done very well there i mean he was in top 10 many times um that's awesome and now he's like oh, i'm slipping i'm in the 30s i'm like jesus dude give me a break um so he's he's done really well there um but uh jesus now i don't know how i veered off on that uh, no point. no that, that we were talking about um we were talking about uh i think we were talking about team trevor weren't we yes yes okay so um long diversion from I was happy when I left PC Connection. Yes, because you hated my it. Life. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, whatever. Um, I just, whatever. I just too... Uh, it was time like to go. Being, it was time to go. Yeah, I didn't yeah. like being told what to do. I was sure. yep. um, but um, I remember marking one of my other main events that I still do with them is a cycling event. And uh, back in the day, we don't do this anymore, but we used to have to like, mark the roads for a 150-mile thing. It was called Seacoast Safari. It's now called Cycle for Life. Still going on. Um, in July, and we'd have to mark arrows every half mile and at every turn for this like 150 mile route up the seacoast from Newburyport all the way up to Bitterford, Maine, and all these inner roads and you know mostly coastal roads. But anyway, I was I can remember so distinctly painting the roads and being so happy like the day I was like not at PC anymore. And um, right. so I every time I still mark the roads, I still think of that. I still think, man, that was a that was a crazy time. I had a lot of great times at PC, by the way, but uh, and a lot of good people that I'm still tight with. But, yeah, um, no, but it's, yeah, a, it's that, a grind. You know how it is when you you leave you leave uh, something and you've probably waited too long. Like it's yeah. a good it's a good feeling, you know. Right. It's like when you have an avocado and you, it's that it's perfect that one day, but then the next day it's just trash. You know, yeah. it's like that. Yeah. 
Sure. Brown and squishy and exactly. And exactly. Just not good anymore. That might be a record longest answer. And that I, I knew I'd probably set that record for it's, you. You're so like, you it's Miles Davis. I love it. It's uh, it's jazz. Um, <laughs> all right. So we've got one more question and we got some pushups to do. Uh, all right. Oh, so the question is, so I like to, I like to frame things. I, so I'm, Mount Rushmore uh, is a, is a landmark. I'm not a big fan of it um, necessarily. I think it's, People end up going there and then being totally underwhelmed because it's just four faces on a mountain. You've seen it. So I think it's kind of overrated. But at the same time, it's kind of cool because there's just four, and that's it. And it's not all there's ever going to be. There's not going to be five no matter what, you know, uh, some crazy president might think. But it's, it's only going to ever be four. So – and it's tough to frame certain things into four. Uh, I know you're a music fan. I'm a music fan. If you had to pick your Mount Rushmore of musical artists, who would you pick? Oof, yeah. Any four things is, is tough. Um, well, if you ask my drawer full of T-shirts or um, Spotify, speaking of tech companies knowing everything about you, mm-hmm. Spotify will tell you I'm the biggest deadhead ever. Okay. Um, and I'm, I'm not. I love the dead. Um, but in the last year, I was in the top 1% of uh, Jerry Garcia band listeners, apparently. You were? And, uh, on Spotify? Was, on all of Spotify? Uh-huh. Yeah. Whoa, like, dude. Uh, yeah, I don't think it's a badge of honor. You know, it might have been like that woman in Merrimack, you know, just gaming the system. I might have just passed out with, like, you know, endless <laughs> loops on. <for> all... <laughs> just a loop of um, Europe 72 just on a loop. Exactly. Yeah. Um, every dick stick. Yeah. Not that kind. <laughs> Um, so then, so, so Spotify would say Jerry Garcia band one and Grateful Dead two, but I guess let's just say the dead. Sure. Uh, lo- locally, um, scissor fight as, uh, an unknown, uh, lesser known, but awesome band who, um, got back together. You're familiar with these guys? Scissor fight. Yes. Yeah. So they were I knew of them like these legendary guys in like the nineties when I was in high school, but I didn't really know them. I just had heard of them through mm-hmm. other people cool than me. And then in 2016, they reformed, they'd broken up for a while. They got kind of big, you know, mm-hmm. ish. Yeah. Uh, 2016, my um, uh, now ex-wife's cousin took over as the singer and they're completely awesome again. Like they, they have a new singer and drummer, but the same original guitar player and bass player. And they're so much fun. Um, super loud. They play detuned music that is like just as low bass as you can get and just loud, crunchy, uh, you know, it's called uh, New Hampshire Mountain Metal, or they have all kinds of funny names for trying to describe their genre. But they're nice. super fun. So Dead Scissor Fight. I, I have to say Neil Young is like my – I love Neil Young. Yeah. Um, so um, that's, I guess, three and the Melvins. The Melvins? Um, no shit. Yeah, the Melvins are also one of those bands where um, I think I saw them at the Paradise first. And sort of like in the vein of that Guttermill show I was talking about, like just being right up front mm-hmm. um, and seeing this super loud band that um, – I also wasn't, they were around when I was in high school, but I didn't appreciate them then, but I just got into them. And my brother-in-law got me into them, took me to a show and they blew me away. They had at the time two drummers. And this is why I hear ringing in my ears right now is I was between up in the front between two separate drum sets. <laughs> like Damn. My head is like right there. And uh, I don't recommend it for without earplugs because I was too dumb to wear earplugs, but man, they're, uh, they're fun and they're very diverse. Um, yeah. For what they so yeah. So the Melvins, uh, I only know one of their songs called Honey Bucket. Um, yeah. Sure. And I only I bought that. See, it was before you could stream shit. I bought the CD because I was a huge Nirvana fan. This is early nineties, um, right? And Kurt Cobain had said in a Rolling Stone article that one of his major influences, uh, the Pixies, was a huge one, and the Melvins. And I knew the pictures right. really well, but I didn't know the Melvins. So I went and bought the Melvins. And I just remember thinking, man, this is a whole different level of like heavy, you know, but Honey Bucket's a good tune. 
Absolutely. Yeah. That whole album is good. Um, and that was very much, um, like them being, uh, kind of reined in by a record company. They got a bigger label deal. And so the, they sort of had to like, all right, make these songs a little more digestible. Um, cause some of their stuff is pretty, you know, weird and you know hard to listen to, yeah. um, for, for commercial success for sure. But right. yeah, that, that stuff was so, it was, it was so good. And then I think I want to say that like their friends, uh, with um with Cobain or they were and Cobain apparently tried out and didn't get the gig with oh no one shit point. oh you know what I do remember that yeah, that's yeah. right that was in that article too that's right yeah wow. and that the Melvins the two so kind of like they're kind of like the um spinal tap in that they've had endlessly rotating bass players instead of drummers like spinal tap but um <laughs> they it's the same singer guitar player and drummer from the original days um but the drummer was on Bleach, the first Nirvana record. Uh, he oh, played at least no some shit. of the songs. Dave Grohl, yeah. Oh, that's uh, awesome. Dale Crow. But they, they played, uh, they just did a couple years ago, um, they did a tour of 51, they called it 51 States in 51 Days, and because uh, they included D.C., I think. Um, and I think they did it specifically because I want to say George Thurgood had done a 50 state in 50 day tour mm-hmm. and they were like, fuck that guy. We're going to one up him. <laughs> <laughs> fuck George so Thurgood. Played, uh, yes. Fuck on that Thurgood. And they did, uh, they played the Dover brick house, um, sure. you know, in between their Boston and Portland shows or whatever. And it was awesome. It was so loud. It was so loud in there. Shout out to um, Chris Otash. Yeah. Right. Right. The, oh the man. Originator That's- of the, the brick house. That is insane. Yeah, good for him. I, that's still a dream of mine, actually, would be to own a place like a, a music club. It's not practical, and I don't want to work nights or weekends, so probably not going to be successful there. But um, I always I always thought it was awesome that anyone did that. There's a way to work it. All right. So now the grand finale, my friend. We are going to, we're going to do some push-ups here, and we're going to see how close you can come to your guess. Your guess was, and I gave you a range, which I normally don't let people do, but I gave you a range of 25 to 30. And uh, right, the, the only thing I ask is that you don't cheat. If it's 10, it's 10. If it's 15, and if you get to 25 and you feel like stopping, perfect, you're there. But let's let's make it legit. All right. I'm only going to do them with two hands. I normally do one. Okay, okay good. Yeah, you can do – and you can avoid the clapping in between like the Fonz used to do too. You can <laughs> – I'm already out of breath. Ready? Right? Here we go. One, two, three, four, five, six. Sweating, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33. Wow. I'm going to quit on 33. Larry Bird. That That was ridiculous. uh, That's impressive, my man. No, look, here's the thing. People think, ah, push-ups, I could do 20, I could do 50. And then you try to (laughs) do them, and it's like out of nowhere cold. It's, you know, ripping off 33. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you feel that tomorrow. I'm very dense as a human being, so um, <laughs> it, it's gotten harder. <laughs> yeah. That happens. That happens. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day and, uh, you know, from policing all the shoes being sold online and all that stuff that's going on at your house. Uh, it was it was a pleasure to speak with you. Hopefully the uh, JNFL comes back, and if not, let's try to play some golf anyway and um, and have some fun. I appreciate your time, Josh. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, so much fun. Thanks, Ethan. All right, man. Have a good night. You too. See ya.